0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12, is where we're going to be today. Uh, as you're turning there, a uh, super familiar passage, I want to talk to you about a few things that are going on. Our, our staff uh, has been spending extra time together this week. Uh, eight weeks ago uh, it was uh, June 9th. And when I asked our leaders and our church family to join me in praying and fasting and just seeking God's will, we started talking about what's blocking the view Uh, even months ago, what's blocking the view from our community, seeing Jesus Christ in us, and we'll be talking about that consistently over the next few weeks, Uh, but this morning, it's it's been amazing. Uh, It it seems like weekly, our staff and our leaders have been hearing some, some same things, and it's Hard to know what's blocking the view when we don't know who is standing and sitting next to us. God has brought in many, many new faces in in our world. And so one thing that we're going to be focusing on over the next few months is how do we get to know our brother and sister better as a church family? Because there's not a new part of First Baptist and an old part of First Baptist. Amen? And we're, we're one church. And with one heart, we're gonna to come together. And, and part of being one is knowing who we're sitting next to. In Scripture, when one person was bound to another and they didn't know who they were, that's how Jacob ended up with a few different wives. Right? We had Leah, and we, we, we want to we want to know who is sitting next to us. And so we're gonna be focusing on that. Uh, in the coming months, about what does it look like to get to know my neighbor uh, at First Baptist. So we're excited about that. Another part is, and Omar alluded to it, was it's, it's hard being consistent, isn't it? It's difficult to be consistent. And reading through the New Testament is really easier in about three weeks than it is over 11 months. Because for three weeks, we could push through, right? We could hammer through it. I used to take the January terms in college because I could do anything for three weeks. But 11 months is much harder. And so reading through the New Testament uh, is is really um, difficult because it's ingraining. It's not just something we're powering through. It's a redefining of us. And, and here's what I want to encourage you. If you haven't started this Bible reading challenge with us, Strengthening Your Core, if you have gotten way behind, don't give up. We start the book of First Corinthians Monday. So just start right there with us. God's Word is so good for us. You know, so often, have you, have you noticed that when you read things, you think of someone else and how Scripture applies it to them? One of my favorites in Philippians, it says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Do you know that? Do you know who I think of when I read that passage? Everybody else. Right? Very rarely do I let it come straight into me. I have a Bible that I I journal in for my kiddos. And when I read it, I read it listening to the Lord, but I read it with them in mind. We're asking you not to do that in this reading challenge. And I believe that's why the enemy so badly wants you and I not to be in his word. Because I, I believe that God's word is meant for us. I mean, Listen to some nuggets of truth. We read these passages this week. Romans chapter 13. We're not to the sermon yet. This is free. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now don't think about that for anybody else. Just let that soak into your life right there. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for. In other words, we don't give it any any sustenance. We don't give. We don't even make. We don't make room for it, right? Not making provision it means locking the doors, so to speak. If if we didn't want anyone at church today, we would make no provision for you. We would lock the doors. We'd kill the power, and when you came in, you would know you were unwelcome, right? You didn't receive that. So that's a good thing. That's what it means to make no provision for the flesh. What does it look like in my life to make no provision for the flesh? When I sit down, when I'm at work, what does it mean when I hear something on the radio, when a conversation around me? how, How can I make no provision for my flesh to even gratify its desires? And here's what's great. I kept reading, right? Romans chapter 14, if you were there with me, just look at the last verse again. 14 verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because the eating is not from faith. Now catch this last sentence. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It started me thinking. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. What areas of my life do I not engage the Lord. And the Bible tells us, take every thought captive before the Lord. What areas of my life don't proceed from faith? In fact, I don't even think about it that way. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. There's some great stuff in here for me. Right? There's, there's some amazing truth. You and I don't have to tell the Holy Spirit how to tell, tell us what he's saying. He knows what you need. You may, stop, may have stopped reading the Bible because you didn't understand any of it. That it's, it's all right. Your job is not to decipher the Bible. Back in the late 90s and the early 2000s, we had like the Bible code come out. You know what the Bible code was meant to do? Make somebody rich and cause them, chapter 13, verse 14, to gratify its desires. Right? The Holy Spirit's our interpreter. We just engage and listen. And so I just, want, I just want to encourage you. You don't have to be a great reader. I am a very bad reader. I read slowly. My daughter tells me this all the time. I read slowly. I've had people come up in church and say, What version of the Bible are you using, pastor? And I say, the ESV. And they'll say, I'm using the same one, but you say different words. It's because I'm a bad reader. It's true. I, listen, it's, it's all right. It's all right. You don't have to be perfect in the flesh to follow Jesus. And so it's all right to to wrestle and to have to, to lean in or have to be consistent with the Lord. It's all right if you don't understand everything. Let the Holy Spirit unpack it. When you and I start trying to make God's word sound right, we start distorting God's word and we kill the Bible. So jump in God's word with us and, and journal. Man, I loved what Omar's grandpa wrote. How beautiful is that? Start to journal. God, what do you, what do you mean to me? What do you mean for me? So, so there's our charge. August is jumping up. School's getting back in. Just start in 1 Corinthians with us and just say, Lord, show me something. Show me something. You you don't need me to show you something. Do you know that? Do you know you don't need your life group leader or your Sunday school teacher to show you something? I mean, God's given some to be teachers and equippers. And we are here to help each other out. But do you know you have the same teacher that we do? Do you know that? Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit has been given to you and me By Christ. To unlock his word for us. So you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be a good reader or a quick reader. I've just told you. That's not a joke. I'm not downplaying it. Right? If you want to compare college transcripts later on, you'll feel better. Okay? The Holy Spirit in his word is our revelator. Let him do it. Let him do it. And then watch how he then does it through those around you. It's good stuff. All right, y'all ready for the sermon? That's good. You're like, what was that? Welcome to First Baptist. If you haven't been with us before, Romans chapter 12. We're going to read the whole chapter today. In Romans chapter 12, we, we hear something amazing about life been reading um, about some things. I heard a while back about this pledge. And, I, and this week I went back and investigated it. It's called the Giving Pledge. It's not a Christian thing. As I'm not telling you, I'm uplifting it. But this is, there's a Giving Pledge. And it was created by Bill and Melinda Gates and uh, Warren Buffett. And it's, it's a goal. This is so disconnected for me, I can't even tell you. For billionaires to commit publicly to give away the majority of their wealth. To combat what they feel is the world's greatest problems. While they're alive or in their will. It's a pretty pretty interesting thing. 204 people. uh, 30 states are in. I think it's 23, 24 countries have been individuals represented. And they actually write a letter. at what they believe needs to be combated. And they give to it. And I'm not telling you their causes are right. I'm not telling you it comes from a righteous place. But let me tell you what I can see. As I read through some of their letters. There is a joy ...in sacrificial giving that they are talking about. And and as I look at that... ...I thought that makes complete sense. Because in this world... ...the things that seem to taste the sweetest... ...fall just short of the things that are meant to be amazing. Sacrificial giving... There's something about it that God in His master plan has created to give you and I an intrinsic joy, especially when that sacrifice is meaningful. Do you know that? There's there's an intrinsic joy when we sacrifice and we know what we're sacrificing for is meaningful and, and powerful. And, and what we find ourselves running into is trying to figure out what does that look like in a Christian life? Because sacrificial giving that stems from Christ is joyful. Sacrificial giving that someone forces us into is hurtful, amen? I mean, it is. If someone pressures you into it, you immediately regret it. There's no joy. What what Christ has said is I am calling you to understand that I have this stirring deep inside of you. And when it stirs, it feels like sacrifice. And that's how I made you to be. The word stingy and the word Christian do not belong in the same sentence. Some of you, that may have been all you needed to hear today. That the Lord may wrestle with you the rest of the day for that, because that doesn't belong together. There's an intrinsic driving, and you say, Pastor, how do you say that? Why do you say that? Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. Read it with me. I appeal to you. There's a memory verse for the week, other months. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the perfect will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is a a passage we have heard many, many times, that God is calling you and I not to live a moment that impacts forever, but to, to live a life. That is ongoing, worthy living. In Romans chapter 1 and 2, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, what God says is through Paul is you need to live as a living sacrifice. And that is holy, pleasing. Check that out. A living sacrifice to the Lord is holy and pleasing to God something in there that rings amazing. If you want to live in a joyful relationship with God, then your, your life needs to be this living sacrifice. And he tells us a, a living sacrifice does not conform to the things of this world. It's not, it doesn't look like what other people tell you a living sacrifice is look like. It doesn't tell you what charity looks like. It doesn't, God defines that. We, we have a, a monster sin problem in our world. The, the, this weekend alone, we have people taking the lives of other people. Why? Because they have given their life to live sacrificially to sin. That's why. They have turned their life over to sin and they're willing to sacrifice themselves for their own sin. Let me me tell you something. There's nothing courageous about yielding to sin. It doesn't exist. It's, It's distorted. It's warped. And God says if you and I want to please Him then we should let our lives be a sacrifice to Him. Living all the time under this banner. And this is the part we can't miss. Under the banner of His mercies. Under the banner of Of his mercies. I want you to understand, God puts us in the middle of him. And he says, Because of my mercies, be a living sacrifice that's in relationship with me. He provides us everything that we have to sacrifice. Have you ever given your child money for the offering? We used to do that when our kids were little. Before you, you use checks or online giving, it'd be like you give what's in your pocket, right? Sometimes I don't know if I was teaching my kids that I was only stingy and gave God what I had in my pocket or something. But, but I would give them money. Did your child ever, if you've ever done that, if you haven't, you need to do this. Did your child ever have that money and go, wow, and put it in their own pocket? Or, or maybe they kept some out for themselves and gave the rest to God. If that ever happened to you, did you correct your child? Well, that's not your money. That's God's money. Well, you gave it to me, Dad. No, no, I gave it to you just to put in his hands. You see, what Scripture says is, is that his mercy gives us what we have so that we can turn it over. You're yielding nothing because all we have is his. And that starts to unlock the secret of then, then what does a worthwhile life in Christ look like? If I know this to be true, and as a parent, you know this, everything I have in life is God's. I just use it however I want to and give back to him every now and then. Right? Now don't, don't confess that out loud because then your neighbor will know that you got suckered into confession and they're not saying anything. You see, we need to know that a worthwhile life is something that God has called us not to guess at, but to understand so that we can live in it. I believe when scripture says, "By the renew- be com- don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewal of the m- your mind, that testing you may discern the will of God. I believe he is saying, under relationship and cooperation with the Holy Spirit, I am renewing your mind through my word and through my presence so that you may walk this way. So that you may live a worthy life. It is not impossible. But it starts with understanding. Look in your Bible at verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. The Bible says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Not to think more of him, more of him highly than he ought to think himself. Excuse me. Let me read that again. For by the grace, of God, grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So... We, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if in prophecy, in proportion to faith, if in service, in our serving, in the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in his generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does not who, excuse me, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, the scripture tells us this. That you and I, if we're going to have a worthwhile life, we have to understand that a worthwhile life is by design. You know, it's not happenstance. A worthwhile life is, is not Happenstance. It's not something that some people figure out early on and other people never get or some get later on in life. A worthwhile life from the eyes of God is by His design. Scripture says very clearly in verse 3 He says, He gives each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You see, sandwiched in this truth and understanding God's design, we start to see that who you are is assigned. I know. In this world, that is hate speech. I get it. If if it is, it works well because Jesus says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. But you and I have to know You and I are assigned according to faith that God has designed us a specific way. Each one of us, you're not an accident. Just because you don't even understand yourself doesn't mean you're not understood. Because God has designed you. He has designed who you are. He's designed who you are. That's what Paul says here. For by the grace given may I say to everyone, don't think more highly than he ought to himself. But with sober judgment, each according to the faith that God has assigned. He goes on and says, you have a part, you have a place. And it's according to what God has given you. You were made who you are by a scientist. Don't try to be someone that you're not. If I were just shortening this horribly, that's what I would tell you. Don't try to be someone that you're not. If, you, if God has made you to think like an engineer, and that's how you think, you are not less of a person because you aren't creative or autistic in drawing. Does that make sense? If if God has has made you affectionate and he's given you this this ability to encourage and edify with beautiful language. But he also hasn't given you the resources to impact the homeless person on the street. Listen, you and I, God made you who you are. Don't esteem yourself for more than you are thinking that you don't need anyone else. But also don't think less of yourself. See, Paul says with sober judgment, in other words, with a clear look at things, look at who God made you, and live in that world. It doesn't mean God's not going to call you out of your comfort zone. But why would God make you a certain way? And I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about you. Why would God make you a certain way only to tell you, I hate what you are? I don't like bald people. Do something about it. I, I don't like people who aren't good speakers. Figure it out. I don't like people who are left-handed. Learn to be right-handed. I don't like people who are this color or whose eyebrows are that bushy or whose Reading ability is not whatever. You see, we live in a world that says, if you want to thrive, you make yourself as big as possible. Church, that is not God's design for you. God's design for you is to bathe who he made you into in faith and live every part of that being saturated In an act of worship to him. Not to take on new parts. And not to pretend that others don't exist. Because by design. God has made you a part of his family. And Paul goes on and he says. Listen. Although we're one body. We have many members. We don't have the same function. If we all try to be the same person. If we all try to live up to be another human being. Then we distort, we mar the image of God. So you have to understand, God made you you. He made some of you one way and some of us another way and some of us another way. That's by design. Don't pretend you're something that you're not. That's not a living and active worship. He goes on further and he says in in verse 6, Having different gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If in prophecy, in proportion. If faith, into our faith. If in service, in serving. One who teaches, in teaching. Who exhorts, in exhortation. Who contributes. Do you see what God says? I didn't simply make you who you are. I I am going to make you how you are. You see, this this redefining of self is, is a brilliant imitation of what Christ did in salvation. He makes us new. And in making us new, he bears forth fruit in us. And he gives us giftings. What are those giftings to do? To be used proportionately. You may say, Pastor, I I love helping people, but it would terrify me to teach. But when someone asks you to teach, say, Hey, listen, I'll participate but how can I help you do this? Can I get the class ready? Can I, I, whatever your proportion is. See, I think we've started to measure life not by God's design, but by the world's design. You know what happens when we live outside of the proportion of what God has given to us? It's harmful sacrifice that makes us feel like there are a few handful of elite Christians that everyone should be like. And everybody else is trying to be like them. Church, if you want to live as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, then you have to understand you must live a life by His design for you. God did not make you stubborn, that's sin. He may have made you strong willed. Do you see the difference? God, God didn't make you angry. He may have given you passion, anger, temper. That's a distortion of God's passion. You're not going to submit blessing out a sister in Christ as an act holy in worship. Amen? Amen? Just in case you didn't get that. Right? God may have given you the gift of speech. Gossip uses the gift of speech. Is it holy and pleasing to God? No, it's not. When you do it, read, read over If it's not born of faith, it's sin. When we live outside of God's design and outside of his gifting for us, we're not pleasing him. And there's no such thing as holy gossip. It doesn't exist. A worthwhile life by design is unending. It's unending. Look in your Bible at verse 9. It says, Let love be genuine. Keep going. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. That means prideful. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all if possible. So as far as depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it. To the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Whew. Did you notice the verbs? All of the verbs. Are active, present tense. You see, church, God has called you and I. He has made you and I by design to be a living sacrifice that is not ending. Outdo, be fervent, be patient, seek, be genuine, don't be slothful, weep, bless, be in harmony, never be, overcome. Church, a living sacrifice isn't seasonal. God didn't make us to stop. Do you know that? God didn't make us, this is going to be interesting, to have a break. He is our break. That's why the Sabbath was so important. He is where we find our resting place. When we we stop, if he is not the reason that we stop, then we stop for the wrong motives. This week I was sitting at a birthday party. It was great. It was my brother's, uh, my niece's uh, second birthday yesterday, and we had a lawyer, a pilot, a funeral director, and a pastor sitting around the table. It's a great joke, right? It's perfect. So, so we're sitting there, and, and you know what we you know what you have to talk about with a lawyer? We're talking about pensions and things, and you know, a funeral director. We're talking, talking about death. Welcome to our two year old family reunion right here. So we start talking about this, and what comes up is pensions versus 401k and I said I don't understand how pensions work because man they have a friend who has a, this pension and it kind of goes perpetually and regardless of I mean, if they would, didn't put enough in they're still covered and yada 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 and no kidding my younger brother says David you know a study was just done not long ago and I went and looked it was about six years ago um, by some of these huge companies Ford and, and I think Lockheed Martin did some on pensions and here's what it says <clears throat> For those who retire about 55, you live an average of 21 more years. For those of you who retire at 65, you live about 18 months. Some of you are like, oh, I'm 64. Next week it's coming. I said, well, then pensions make sense. And then we started talking, why do you think that is? That's pretty just, you know, I'm 43, 65, that's 22 years from now. 18 months is 23 and a half years. That sounds really young, amen? Amen, It's, it's right around the corner. So we started talking about what would cause that. And at the table, this meeting of the mind said, you know what, I wonder if for people who retire earlier, they retire into a passion. So, so it's not that they stop working, they just stop getting paid to work and they're living for something important. For those who are living for retirement, so that all of our life can be focused on our ourselves and not doing what someone else told us to do, when you quit, it shocks your system. And there's this identity crisis that you've been maybe living for the wrong thing. So this was, our, this was our landing place. Again, this is our brilliant thinking. If your whole life you live for Christ, if all of it's a living sacrifice, when you change jobs, you don't retire. You're just living for Christ in a different lane. Hmm. You see, if you and I think That your living sacrifice for God has borders. I want you to be ready to taste death regularly. Let me say that again. If you and I think that being a living sacrifice for Christ has borders or has limits. I want you to get used to that taste of death in your mouth. You know what death tastes like? A steak that you had in the refrigerator too long and you decided to cook anyway. That tastes like death right? It's horrible. Do you think God made you for that? Do you think God created you to find someone and pray twice, to contribute to the needs of the saints four times in your life? Do you think God made you as a living? You think when you and I get to heaven, you say, God, until I was 65, I was all out for you. It was amazing. And I can imagine saying, yeah, how are the last eight months? Because you became useless. God didn't make us to retire. I'm sitting down with my mom two days ago after a funeral. She said, you know, since your dad passed away, I kind of am trying to scrambling for my purpose a little bit here. I said, I hear you. Let's pray. Let's, let's see because God has poured so much into you. It's not supposed to stop. Church, you and I don't ever not today when you go home not when you walk out you don't do your duty and punch in your sacrifice for jesus if you want to live a life worth living you must believe it never stops your convenience will be the enemy of god's plan in your life have you ever said i don't want to stop by their house Because it would inconvenience them. them. What if the person inside that door needs someone who loves Jesus to knock and say, I was just thinking about you, I don't even need to come in. Your inconvenience gets in the way of the Holy Spirit. Your convenience. You see, God has made a worthwhile life by design, His design, to never stop. It doesn't stop when you're tired. It doesn't stop when you're feeling good. It doesn't stop when you say, all week long, I work for the Lord. On Saturday, it's me day. It doesn't stop. That's not life in Christ. That's a modified worldwide religion that's sprayed with the ax deodorant of Jesus. It do not work. It will leave you lacking. But if you want to be full, keep the door open. A worthwhile life by design is an unending offering to Christ Jesus. You see, I think we've lost the word sacrifice a little bit. Offering is different. If you look at verse 9 through 21, all the things that you're supposed to do Are centered around someone other than you. It's an offering. That's a worthwhile life in Christ. You don't, you know, I don't build up a life for savings for us. It's meant to be an offering. That's where joy is found. This week, Ashley started back to school for band practice. They're having to get there at like six thirty in the morning. We have to have a conversation. And she's been waking up at six. And and I'm praying over this. I'm reading this verse. And she's up at six. And I hear her feet moving. and, And my desire is to stay in bed. But I want my life to be an offering. By God's design, he has given me the role as father. He has given me someone to parent. And I have to say, if I'm following my design, I want to stay in bed because I'm tired. But I want to live a worthwhile life in Christ. And that happens through an offering. So I got up. And we visited. <laughs> then I fell asleep and was late for prayer meeting. We'll figure that one out later. Church. When it's to God, it's an offering because it's my joy to put it out there in front of him. I think in our terminology, when we think of sacrifice, it's what I lose. Hey, note to self, your daddy put coins in your hand when he made you. And the purpose was not to put them in your pocket. It was to invest him in a worthwhile life that by design will be an offering to the God who made you and loves you. God didn't make us to lose. Church, I think you've heard Romans chapter 12 many times. This morning, my, just my question is, will you walk away believing it's for you? That God made you to live a life that has meaning. And is worth and worthy. Suicide is rampant because no one knows what worthy looks like. Listen, by design, by design, God made you to be in an ending offering to Him. And I want you to know it is sweet, it doesn't taste like death. Will you live that life, Christian? If you don't know Jesus Christ, God, by design, has a plan for you. But you can't be an offering until you have offered yourself through submission to the full grace, to the full mercy, to the full will of the one who made you through Jesus Christ. If that's you today, that's where you need to start. But today, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go have lunch, and you're going to be tired When you get tired, I want you to think, God, what would an unending sacrifice, an offering look like to you right now? What will it look like? Tomorrow when you wake up, when you're driving into work, God, what will it look like to be an unending offering to you today? When you get home and you're tired again? And you see someone, you talk to them at work and you come home and you say, Honey, we need to have so-and-so over for dinner tonight or tomorrow night. Well, the house is a mess. It's okay. We can be a sacrifice. I bet their house is a mess too. Note to self, secret thing, ladies. Everybody's house is a mess. You just clean it up to pretend for one another. By design, let your life be an offering for the edification of your Lord. Who cares what people think about you? By design, you're not living for yourself. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. You have given us all a life, man, bathed in your mercy. Lord, we don't want to to die, quote unquote, too young. Lord Jesus Christ there are some in this room that are already the walking dead because they have stumbled or stopped in their offering to you Lord waken them today let us be a church individually and therefore collectively that lives a worthwhile life that by design is an unending offering to Christ. We believe in you, Jesus. And I pray that testimonies would shower our conversations. In Jesus' name, amen.